0: Rather cloudy at first, with outbreaks of rain or drizzle in most places, persistent at times, associated hill and coastal fog patches also. Somewhat brighter and mainly dry weather will reach the northwest during the morning, and spread to all but some western and
1: We listen to the forecasts; they're part of our daily intake of information. Frequently, we criticize them if the subsequent weather doesn't turn out to be just what we expect. There's an old adage. Red sky at night, shepherd's delight. Red sky at morning, shepherd's warning. What does a
2: meteorologist, a forecaster of today, say about that? True or false? True, I would say, um, particularly in the morning part of it, because the red sky in the morning means that the rays of the rising sun are being reflected of a mass of very high thin cloud which is coming in over the country, spreading in normally from the west. This means that a front is on the way. So that the red sky in the morning means that the cloud has to be there for the sky to be red, and if the cloud is there, the chances are that it's going to thicken and and eventually there's going to be rain, hence the shepherd's warning. Many of these old saws were based on fact. There were um, based on observation over years by men to whom the weather was important, who lived in an area, saw the signs, and although he didn't have any rules to go to, by, uh, like mathematical rules, he knew from his experience that when such an, a thing happened, followed by such a thing, that normally this happened, and as a result of this, that mo- most of these saws are definitely based on observation. It was only in the um, 17th century with the invention of the barometer and the um, thermometer, that um, weather became a science in the sense that it could be quantified, that things could be measured. Before that, it was a matter of observation and experience.
1: Comment from Seamus Miller, officer in charge in the Central Analysis and Forecasting Office at the Meteorological Service Headquarters in Dublin. But he's concerned with precise forecasting and for much wider areas, and based on much more data.
2: The information from which we make the weather forecast comes in on these machines, and it comes on a special network which deals with nothing but meteorological information. The information is all coded in groups of five figures to take care of the different languages throughout the world who uses them. Now, according as these sheets come in, every number on the sheet has a meaning, and different blocks are for different countries, and it's like knowing another language. The person who plots or uses this information must know the language of these figures. What happens is, they're coming in, this information is coming in all the time, and as it's coming in, it's taken from these machines, and it's brought out to the plotting desk, where it's plotted on various charts. The information comes from all over the world. Here in Dublin, we deal with information from all over Europe, Iceland, North Africa, the Azores, Greenland, and North America and Canada. These stations all go out at the same time. The standard of Greenwich mean time is used throughout the world for taking meteorological observations. The um, information information the observations are taken at standard hours, and they're sent by various means to general collecting centres throughout the world, where they're put onto a general telecommunications network, which sends them to all the meteorological offices throughout the world, which has, have um, special machines for receiving them. So that within 10 or 15 minutes of an observation being taken, say in Moscow, it's available here in Dublin. There
1: are a number of meteorological stations around
2: Ireland yes there are, we have 14 stations which are run by the Irish Meteorological Service, these are manned on a 24 hour basis and each one of these stations gives a weather observation every hour, 24 um, per day from each station
1: they feed them to you? yes they feed them
2: to us, we send them through Dublin airport um, to Bracknell in England where they're put into this general telecommunications circuit and then they're sent around the world like that
1: Here's one of the met messages: E G R R three zero zero eight zero zero C seven L, and a whole series of groups of figures: nine nine five seven zero seven zero two zero zero. What do they mean?
2: Well, this actually E G R R means that it comes from England, and um, three zero. Is the date the thirtieth zero 0800, That's eight hours GMT. C seven L means that it's a ship and a fixed ship, which is maintained for meteorological information only. There are only three or four of them at the moment. Well, um, there is one. This gives its latitude and longitude. This particular one is at fifty-seven degrees north latitude and twenty degrees west longitude. Now, three. This figure three means that there are three octaves of cloud, three eighths of the clou- uh, sky that the observer can see is covered with cloud. And um, the wind is 340 degrees, six knots. The visibility is 20 miles. The weather is fair. The past weather is fair. The pressure is 1,020.0 millibars. The air temperature is 10 degrees. The barometric press- tendency is rising. of a millibar, in other words, the pressure is rising, which is normally a good sign. These eight groups indicate that these give the type, amount, and height of the cloud. There are five-eighths of stratus at 1,000 feet. There are seven-eighths of stratocumulus at 2,500 feet. Um, The sea temperature is 9 degrees and then you get the direction of the wave and the heights of the wave from these other groups here. So as you can see in the space of a line or a line and a half of figures, there's a very large amount of information included. What happens next? Well, what happens next at the moment is that information has just been taken off the teleprinter and here in front of me we have a chart. We plot eight charts daily in the Irish in Dublin here. Um, And the chart embraces um, North America, Canada, Greenland, Iceland, the Azores, North Africa, and Europe. Now, each of these reports that comes in is plotted on these charts, and um, it's plotted again in another type of language, if you like, both in numbers and symbols, all of which have a meaning for those who know how to read them for instance these two dots here indicate that at this station there's continuous light rain falling this x here inside the circle shows that the sky was obscured in other words it's it's foggy at this particular station these arrows give the direction and strength of the wind this here gives the temperature the visibility the red one gives the dew point to show the humidity of the air the sea temperature is given here the Pressure is here and the pressure tendency, whether it's rising or falling, is here. The type and amount of cloud are given given here with these figures and symbols. And what the weather has been for the past three hours has been given here. So it's a question of transforming one language of figures into another language of figures and symbols. And when this whole chart is plotted, there'll be several hundred stations plotted on it. The next step in the process then is to give it to the meteorologist who will proceed to analyse
1: it. The end result of all this is the sort of chart they see on television
2: or in the newspapers. This is the synoptic chart, and for we do on this large area we do four every day, and we do four on a somewhat smaller area. That's eight in all. Um, the only difference between this chart that you see here in front of us now and the ones on television or on the newspapers is that this one also has all the stations plotted. Now when the forecaster gets the chart with the stations plotted with figures and symbols, his job is to analyze it. And by that I mean he draws on it isobars, which are lines through places on the chart which have equal atmospheric pressure. And um, he also draws in these colored lines here, which we call the weather fronts. Now it has been shown that the weather... Broadly speaking, and uh, very broadly speaking, um, obeys certain patterns. When you draw the lines of equal atmospheric pressure, um, you find certain patterns take place. Like you get an area of low pressure, where the central area has a smaller pressure than any place around it, and areas of high pressure, where the central areas have as a higher pressure pressure than any of the places around it and then you get these troughs here in which we have the colored lines which we call the weather fronts. Well, broadly speaking, we associate good weather with high pressure, and we associate bad weather with low pressure, and also with these colored lines are the weather fronts. Now if the analysis of this chart is correct, we know we can see the synoptic chart, in other words we can see where the various weather systems are for the particular time of the chart. And in uh, deciding precisely where the fronts are, as well as having the actual um, information from the stations on the charts, we use previous charts to see how these have moved. We also have further information on the state of the atmosphere from ascents, big balloons which are sent up into the atmosphere carrying carrying electronic equipment which radio back um, various information of the state of the atmosphere at different levels. And we have also a very important aid now in satellite pictures. The satellites, the polar orbiting satellites orbit the Earth, taking about an hour and a half to do so and all the time transmitting back photographs of what they see to any station on the ground which has the proper equipment to pick it up, which we have here in our um, Central Analysis and Forecasting Office in Dublin.
1: We'll take a look at that in a moment. Yes,
2: indeed. But uh, the final product, anyhow, is a chart like this which gives the state of the atmosphere and of the weather at that particular time. Now, the next step in the process is that the forecaster must decide He knows what it is at this time. He decides what will it be like in 24 hours time. So he does, using this information, he makes a forecast chart for 24 hours ahead. And he comes up with the various low pressure and high pressure areas and these colored lines or weather fronts in different positions. For determining where they will be, he has to guide him the way these fronts have been moving, the way the lows have been moving, the way the highs have been moving. And he decides whether they're becoming more intense or whether they're filling becoming less intense. He uses his experience and he uses what is happening up in the upper atmosphere. He has all these various guides to determine where everything will be 24 hours hence. Now, if he comes up with a perfect forecast, he should be able to be in a position to give a good weather forecast because all you have really here are charts, pieces of paper with lines and symbols. Now he has to he has to transform these lines and symbols into what the weather is going to be like in Ireland.
1: Satellite pictures are a comparatively recent aid to the forecasters. This is how they
2: arrive. Well, you can see here a satellite being received. And as you can see, it's a photograph which shows different shades, ranging from black through grey to white. The white being the cloud, and the black areas being the areas of, the, of the, in the range of vision of that this particular picture, where the skies were clear, so that you can quite often see the outlines of land, particularly um, southern Europe at this time of year where you can see Italy here quite clearly in Spain, whereas you go further north, it tends to be more cloudy. Well, the satellites actually, these ones are polar orbiting satellites and they pass near the north and south poles and they are about 500 miles up from the surface of the Earth. At that um, altitude, it takes them about an hour and a half to do a complete circuit of the Earth during which time the Earth itself is rotated on its own axis by about 15 degrees so when they come around again they are taking pictures of um, a different area of the globe and in that way they can scan the whole of the Earth's globe very rapidly. Now if you have the equipment to receive them once they come over the horizon it's possible to pick them up as we are doing here as you can see at the moment. We have an aerial on the roof of our building here which looks rather like a large, and vertical cigarettes which is the area from which um the signals through which the signals come into this machine here where they are um, where they are um The photograph is, if you like, developed onto this receiving machine here. Now, when we receive the satellite, we know from the times at which it was due to pass over various areas where it is. We can put on it the latitude and longitude lines, which means that the forecaster will know at this particular time exactly what the state of the cloud in the atmosphere was. There are two American and there's a Russian satellite at the moment in orbit. We receive pictures from them all. Now, those are known as the um, orbiting satellites, but there's another type of satellite, a geostationary satellite. Now, these satellites are at a much higher altitude. They're up at about 23,500 miles above the surface of the Earth. The one that we will be most interested in is centered over the equator at the meridian of Greenwich. And we have a dish aerial, a special type of aerial, for receiving pictures from this. this satellite moves with the Earth, and it's able to take pictures of the whole of one side of the Earth's disk. And it can take one picture every half hour, so we can get 48 pictures a day of what's happening on the Earth's surface. Now, at the moment, this particular satellite is not sending pictures, but we hope it will be by the end of the year, and this should be another very important tool for us. There are five of these geostationary satellites around the equator, so that um, If one has the equipment, one can see what's happening all around the world instantaneously. Now, down at Shannon Airport, we have also satellite-receiving equipment, and they are able to receive pictures from a satellite which is stationed over the equator at 75 degrees west longitude, which gives a wonderful picture, which you can see here on the wall, where you can see the cloud conditions all over North America, South America, the North and South Atlantic quite a remarkable achievement.
1: Okay, so Shannon gets it repeated to you.
2: No, well, we, Shannon, the reason Shannon gets this one at the moment is that they're that bit further west, and so it's easier for them because this satellite is very close to the horizon, you know. But when we get satellite, uh, Shannon gets satellites in their own right as we do, we're, we're separate that way. But if one of our uh, sets of equipment were to break down, we could get back up, we could receive them from, through them, you see.
1: All the facts and pictures are gathered together. What next?
2: Well, the forecaster or the forecasters on duty have to make up their mind as to what the weather is likely to be for the next day or days ahead because they will require this information and they're required to have a pretty good idea in their minds to send out the many forecasts, some sent on a routine basis and others just um, people ring up to know. Now, um, our main, one of our main customers, of course, is Radio Air, and to whom we send weather forecasts at regular periods every day, and indeed, as you know, here in this floor we're on, we have a studio from which we transmit weather forecasts four times daily. Now, other um Users of our forecast, of course, are the newspapers, both the daily newspapers, the evening newspapers, the Sunday papers, and increasingly more specialist papers, in particular farming newspapers, who require um, weather forecasts with an emphasis on what the weather will be like for agricultural purposes, usually for a week ahead. We're trying to do this all the time. Um, Many of the weather, everything depends to a certain extent on the weather. Some things are more weather conscious than others. Um, the ESB, for instance, is a regular customer. We give them regular forecasts of temperatures, winds and uh, the like on which they um, base their expected demand from their customers, particularly in winter time. Um, industry, the building industry, for instance, if it's going to be wet or dry, they have to determine what type of work they're going to do. Um, if they're using cranes, the wind strength and direction may be critical. Um, if it's winter time and they want to pour concrete, whether there'll be frost or not is critical. And they want to know the, the, this type of information. It can be very useful and they can save quite a lot of money by getting good forecasts. Of course, another very large customer is agriculture, Ireland being primarily agricultural. And um, we have a service during the summer whereby um, farmers receive... Uh, notification when we expect the weather to be stay dry for several days so that they can plan their harvesting operations but apart from that literally thousands of farmers ring during the course of any season and each of them wants to know what the weather is going to be like in his particular area for as far ahead so that he knows whether he can cut hay or make silage or whatever
1: and you can give this type of detail we
2: always do our best to give it sometimes There are some situations, for instance, in an anticyclonic situation where the weather is quiet, where it's likely to remain settled over a period where you can, up to possibly five and even seven days ahead, say with reasonable confidence that the weather is going to remain good. Unfortunately, that doesn't happen often enough in Ireland to satisfy people. There are other situations then where you can say that um, the weather is likely to remain broken. There's going to be showers followed by sunshine, followed by more showers, but there'll be good drying in between them. And a person who knows what weather is about, like a farmer, although this uh, type of information doesn't specify exactly when the showers will occur or where exactly they will occur, provided the farmer knows the type of weather to expect, it's useful information for him.
1: Satellite pictures are one new tool. Computers also have a special role. Peter Lynch, a meteorologist in the research department, explains.
3: The benefit of the computer is its high speed. There's nothing really that a computer can do that a human cannot do, but they can do it at at such a tremendous speed as to be able to make, for example, to make a 24-hour forecast in less than one hour. Um, The first numerical experiment, the first numerical prediction was done by a British scientist, L.F. Richardson, uh, who formulated the equations in such a way as to be able to solve them and make predictions, but he did not foresee the development of of high-speed computers, and he cal- he calculated that it would take something of the order of 64,000 human beings to predict to do the calculations as quick as the weather was happening. This, of course, is totally impractical. But th- the computer which we now have at the Met Service can do of the order of 1 million operations every second. Therefore, the vast bulk of c- calculations which are necessary becomes a practical proposition.
1: And these are translated into the figures we see on the map?
3: Yes, that's right. From these, we get... Uh, forecast maps which the human forecaster can then assess and with his experience he has a new tool with which to forecast the actual weather
1: Doesn't this have a relation to the demand for medium range forecasts which I believe has been increasing in recent years especially for agriculture and fisheries and even industry
3: This is such a a difficult problem that 17 European nations of which Ireland is one have got together and formed the European Centre for Medium Range Forecasting whose headquarters is in Reading Uh, They have acquired recently perhaps the fastest computer available, a Cray 1, which can do of the order of 100 million instructions a second and can produce a a forecast for seven days ahead in a couple of hours. Ireland, uh, the Irish Met Office hopes to be receiving the products of the centre in a month or two from now. And hopefully the public will be gaining the benefit from these within a few months.
1: The sound of the weather is the howling of the wind, splashing of the rain, the roll of thunder, but the background noise for the forecasters is this kind of sound.
2: This is a chart being drawn automatically. As you can see, as the pens move back and forth and the chart moves up and down, the lines of equal pressure are being put in automatically. It's all done through the computer. A program in the computer has determined where these lines will be, and this is the way the charts will be drawn in the future here in Dublin. It's being done like this in many other, the larger offices throughout the world as it is. This here shows the actual area that's being drawn, and you can see how much quicker it is. This machine also plots these charts, and it can do in about 15 minutes what it would take a manual plot of two and a half to three hours to do. So you can see the speed and the the, the the saving in speed, and also the saving in rather repetitive work for a man to sit down plotting, when it can be done so much quicker and so much neater by a machine. Obviously, a valuable man can be freed to do more interesting and more important work.
1: And he will have to read that job in the end. Well, and d- d-
2: I don't think that the man will ever go out of meteorology because eventually, no matter what, you end up with lines and symbols on sheets of paper and there will be a need for interpretation from these and for these you will need a man. Or a woman, for there are some women meteorologists
1: already in the service. Many people suggest that the weather these days isn't so good as in the days of their youth when the summers seemed sunnier and the winters colder. A climatologist Leslie Leach looks at his
4: records. Uh, Based on our Phoenix Park records, there have been periods which uh, say of ten years length which have contained a disproportionate number of bad summers or good summers. Uh, The the 60s, the 1960s in general, were rather poor summers. Uh, the uh, both both for for sunshine and rainfall, uh, they were below average in in general. But uh, uh, things righted themselves, certainly in the, in in the last uh, six or seven summers. We have had better than average. I have here in front of me uh, the average sunshine at our Phoenix Park station. Uh, The long-term average is 496 hours. Well now, uh, that is over the three months from June to August. Uh, In the 1970s, uh, we were below that average for uh, up to 1974. Uh, very well below that average of 496 hours in the three months, uh, but 90, uh, 1975 gave us 516, 1976 gave us 553, 1977 gave us 509. So you have three years there well above the average. Uh, we're we were down again below the average in 78 and in the summers of 78 and 79 but uh, I would say that in general uh, you will in any ten years you will get at least one or two years well above the average and they of course might just happen to coincide with the, the years of adolescence when you'd be stepping out into the world and getting more chance to have long holidays or play play important tennis or something like that. They will for some people. uh, Obviously those two or three or perhaps even four or five years above average summers will uh, coincide for some people with a very impressionable period of their youth. These things of course like the freezing of the Thames that you read about and and, uh, fairs being held on the frozen surface of the Thames and other big rivers They were were much more possible in the uh, earlier centuries because there wasn't so much warm effluent going into the river, and again, it wasn't so well drained. Uh, It's it's much better drained now. There's a swifter flow of water; the water doesn't tend to stagnate so much. Uh, So that these uh, these impressions you get from historical records can uh, not be very representative of, of uh, any real change or real difference from present day. Special weather forecasts are essential for airline
1: operation, and the Meteorological Service maintains special stations at Shannon and Dublin. At Dublin Airport, Captain Frank Rogan, an air Lingus pilot, picked up an information file for his flight in the briefing room and
5: interpreted. We're presented with a, uh, a met folder, which um, indicates the time of the flight departs in GMT and the aircraft uh, that we're going to use. It's a Boeing 737 on our 158 flight this morning. This is sent down from the Met Office up in the main terminal. We open up the Met folder. And we're very interested in the uh, terminals, the weather conditions, the forecast for the terminals which we get here. And this is all under four-letter designations, like we see here, EGLL. This is London Heathrow Airport. Forecast, they said this morning, 07 to 1600. Wind, 290 degrees at 10 knots. Better than 10 kilometers. Cloud, 3 at 2500 feet. There's 5 at 3,500 feet. And then they give a tempo, which is temporarily 07 to 800. And that's 7,000 meters, or 7 kilometers. And they give another tempo, 12 to 16. 5,000 meters. Visibility is reducing slightly. Heavy rain showers, and this is the reason for it. Thunderstorms. And they say 5CB, which is short for the thunderstorm code, at 1,500. From the flying point of view, this is a fairly good forecast. For somebody uh, going out for a nice stroll in the afternoon, they'd want to take their umbrellas. Now, in addition to that, we would require to have a second airport, which has also got suitable conditions for landing on case the uh, number one airport, which our destination is, would uh, not be suitable for landings. It's a requirement that uh, we need. So our alternate this morning is Gatwick. Now the forecast for Gatwick, same time, 07 to 1600. That's the period of the forecast. 300 degrees at 7 knots, 6 kilometers, 6 at 3,000, They give a gradual, instead of a tempo, they give a gradual, 7 to 9, 10 kilometers, and they go back to a tempo here, 10 to 16, 5,000. 81 is a code with a double X and SH, short for rain showers, meaning heavy rain showers. Uh, Wind 280 degrees, 16 knots, becoming 300 degrees at 7 knots. So all in all, the forecast for Gatwick Is much the same as for London. They're not too far apart, so that would make sense. So, our en route alternate we would pick as um, Manchester. This was EGCC, that's the four letter code for Manchester. Their forecast, same period 7 to 16, 310 degrees at 8 knots, 7 kilometers, 3 at 25. Gradually, 7 to 8, 10 kilometers, tempo 9 to 16, 3,000 meters, heavy rain, 6 to 1,500, and then to give a probability of 40% of Prog 40, as they say in the short code, thunderstorms. So all in all, the weather over the UK is much the same, Uh, more than adequate for uh, the flying conditions. As you will see by the, um, the chart here, the surface chart, there is occasional risk of CAT, which is their short term for clear air turbulence. That is off to the west of Ireland, which won't affect us this morning. We're going east towards London. If we were going down towards Shannon now, we'd be uh, very anxious about this uh, clear air turbulence. On the sector in towards the – to the east, that's in the London direction, they're not showing any um, clear air turbulence. However, they are showing uh, some uh, CB activity here building up, which um, will be pretty well isolated. It's because of the uh, unstable air mass. We'll be able to uh, circle around this with our radar, so the ride should be fairly smooth. I'll just have a chat with the uh, Met Officer now, I'll call him on the phone, and see if he has any uh, up-to-date weather for us. Captain Rogan here, 158 to uh, London, uh, Yes. could you uh, give me an idea of what the uh, weather en route would be like,
6: please? Yes, it's uh, still uh, very unstable air mass, uh, probably will have a, a number of thunderstorms developing uh, during the day. Uh, reported yes over land, but I think uh, they will develop all right in uh, two two hours' time. The uh, tops could be the bigger ones could be as high as uh, 25,000 feet. We'd be able to uh circle around uh, them, I would be, yes. Yeah, they'd be at the moment, very
5: isolated. Isolated, yeah. How about back here in the afternoon about 2.30?
6: Should be much the same as now. Uh, it's not quite as unstable over Ireland. It's just, um, showers are a good deal smaller and, and less frequent, I think. Generally, pretty good weather here in Dublin all day.
5: We're uh, going to use Shannon as our alternate for yeah, the region. Yeah, Shannon will be very same as Dublin. And Cork? Cork,
6: very same. Winds northwesterly, really, maybe about 15, 20 knots down the west.
5: Uh huh. How about the temperatures this afternoon here?
6: Uh, probably getting up to about maybe 17 degrees maximum. At the moment, they're around about 14.
5: I'm off for the next couple of days. What sort of weather do you uh, sort of uh, feel? Will I be able to get a little bit of golf in?
6: I should, yes. It'll be not brilliant, I'm afraid. They're rather cloudy a lot, a lot of the time. But I'd say the winds will be generally fairly light and uh, probably dry a good deal at the time. OK, thank you very much. All right, all
1: right. The voice at the other end of the intercom, that of Pierce Coyne, came from the weather watch station high up in the tower just below the airport control room, where observations must be made and reported frequently.
7: Every hour, uh, we send out three different types of observations. Uh, a synoptical report, which um, gives, uh, covers every aspect of the weather, every element of it. Included in the report is um, wind, speed and direction, visibility, the, the, the weather at the, on the actual hour, and the weather for the, what the weather has been doing for the previous hour. Pressure, the air pressure, temperatures, dew points, uh, cloud cloud types and cloud heights, various um, different cloud types and and uh, the different heights that the layers are at, and basically every aspect of weather in that sense, rainfall, etc., is covered in this observation. We also do an observation, a uh, separate observation for um, that is transmitted by to all the airports, just concerns airports solely. And this observation covers wind, visibility, cloud heights, and generally it's um, pressure, etc. It's it's generally to do with aviation, solely for aircraft. And then we do another observation, which is is uh, just transmitted locally by close air television. And this is for um, uh, covers basically the same thing as the, the the observation we send out for airports. And it's it's um, it's an observation. We it's it's a co- this particular observation. Uh, it's not necessarily done on a routine basis the other both the other observations we spoke of earlier they they they're done on a routine basis every half hour and every hour oh sorry the ma- one of them is done every hour the other one is done every half hour this particular observation it, it can be done anytime depending on the weather it's for locally for um, transmitted to air traffic control and they can transmit it to air in incoming aircraft or outgoing aircraft immediately now depending on the weather we have certain limits and uh, today, now the weather is quite good, and this, this observation, more than likely, all day today will be done on a, on a routine every of every half hour. But if the weather deteriorates in any way as regards visibility, cloud heights, if there were sudden, very sudden changes in pressure, a special observation would ha- have to be done on the spot. Uh, a deterioration in weather, say, say we have visibility of four kilometres, and suddenly the, the visibility drops to fifteen hundred metres, a thousand metres, uh, an observation must go out within the minute. It must be on on the close circuit screen so that this can be transmitted. So there's a constant weather watch here, basically. And, um, as I say, depending on the weather, if the weather is bad, uh, this observation has to be kept up to date.
1: The officer in charge of the station, its 39 personnel, and complexity of instrumentation is Brenda McWilliams.
0: Well, this instrument here is for measuring a quantity called runway visual range. Which is uh, an indication of how far along the runway a pilot can see just when he's landing, taking into account uh, factors like whether the runway lights are on, and if they are, how bright they are, and various other factors like that. The uh, three uh, indications here, which you can see, you can see that they say 2,000. If they are, that means that the runway visual range at the moment is greater than 2,000 meters. Now, if visibility and hence runway visual range were suddenly to decrease, well then these three readings would show the corresponding value of RVR. The readings come from three transmissometers out in the airfield, one at each at the touchdown point of each of the two main runways and the third at the intersection point of the two runways and the uh, Readings from these, the information from these transmissometers is fed into a small computer in this instrument here, and it then computes the value of runway visual range. The runway visual range reading, in addition to being displayed here in the Met Office, is also displayed in various parts of the air traffic control complex, so that they have got immediate. Information about what the runway visual range is and can transmit it to aircraft landing or about to take off. And in the darkened radar room? Well,
8: at the moment now, we're, we're doing a routine radar scan uh, in an effort to show up what uh, shower activity we may have around the country. And uh, at the moment, as you can see, our activity is mainly between uh, about 235 degrees up to northwest. Now it's not very vigorous the tops are about uh, 8 to 12,000 and uh, the strength of echoes which indicates the intensity of the precipitation and that, that's not very strong either. So at this particular hour of the day uh, the build-up seems to be moderate only. Later on of course that picture could change the highest tops we have are quite distant from us. They're mainly over in the Manchester, Bristol area, where we have tops 16,000 and fairly strong echoes. Um, the uh, This picture could change quite a bit now in the afternoon with heating, and with uh, temperatures rising and all that sort of thing. So in the Cardiff, Bristol area, for instance, now they're already giving a in their forecast for the afternoon, they're given a probability of 40% thunderstorms. So those tops will certainly will increase in the afternoon. Uh, our, our own forecasts are just going for showers, so there may be little or no change here.
1: What's the range of that?
8: Now, the particular range I'm using is 100 nautical miles. Uh, I could do 250, but if I do 250, I can pick up these extra echoes over Manchester and Bristol. But uh, in order to get our own echoes in more detail i reverted back to the 100. Yeah. but I have noted those ones of course over England and Wales. now if you want if you had the thunderstorm in nearer of course you could come back down to 50 and you could get it in that much more detail you know. uh, that'd be tops of cloud uh, strength of echoes which is the main uh, the main business really you know
1: strength of echo is the actual Actually,
8: degree of light. Yeah, it's the, uh, the strength of echo. I mean, if you have a fairly strong echo there, would say over 30 decibels, it means you're dealing with uh, heavy precipitation or thunderstorm, possibility of thunderstorms, you know.
1: There are 27 different types of clouds, but a recollection of the old-time sailor's jingle, mackerel sky and mares' tails make lofty ships carry low sails, brought this comment.
7: Basically, it's true that at any level, uh, the clouds at the higher level are a forecast possibly of what's to come out what's 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 actually gone. So a forecast of what's to come at the lower levels. So you'll see it at a higher level force basically. But with uh, say we have a cold front coming in, we're going to the the force warnings are it's it's a build up of layer cloud at, at at a higher level and then it'll move to the medium level as the as the front comes in the, the at the top level it's it's coming ahead and then down to the bottom level. So that's that's um it's a good pointer there again too. It doesn't work out quite as simple as that. <laughs> the particular geographical location of Ireland
2: here is in the um, area where it's all happening from the weather point of view because we're close to the track, the normal track of the depressions which often form down here in the Gulf of Mexico and move northeastwards across the Atlantic, usually ending up here somewhere in the North Sea. They bring with them their weather fronts which cross Ireland, sometimes the roads come right down over the country, and we are more or less in the busiest traffic lane for weather moving systems.